Welcome to the One for the Money podcast. I'm your host, Johnny West. I'm a certified financial planner, and here I will teach you the tips, tricks, and strategies I use to help others retire early. This is the easy button when it comes to early retirement. Everything you want or need to know is right here. I'm so glad you join us on the show. Welcome to episode 34 of the One for the Money podcast. I am very grateful you have taken the time to listen. It's springtime, which brings signs of renewal. Flowers are sprouting, blossoms are opening. There's the birth of fawns, ducklings, and other animals. It's a season that symbolizes renewal and new beginnings. Well, how very ironic then that it is during this same season we are required to file our taxes, a time where we look back at the year that was financially. But it can be a great time of renewal regarding our approach to taxes. In today's episode, I'll share why it's important to assess not only our own tax strategies, but the tax code in general, because in order to have better planning and a better life, you need to have a better understanding of taxes. Many question the fairness of the tax code, and it's anything but fair, but you may be surprised by who and who does not benefit. In the tips, tricks, and strategies portion, I will share a strategy regarding a significant tax savings that could be hiding in your 401k. Thank you for listening. Now on with the show. You'll often hear the argument that people should pay their fair share when it comes to taxes. But with the tax code, change is constant as is the refrain about making the tax code fair. But here are a few examples that shows who benefits and who does not. I'll let you be the judge regarding fairness. I'll start with the electric vehicle tax credit. The federal government provides a $7,500 tax credit to people that buy an electric or hybrid vehicle. Remember, a tax credit is way better than a tax deduction because a credit is a dollar-for-dollar elimination of taxes you would otherwise have to pay. I looked at the fueleconomy.gov website to see what cars are eligible, and you may be surprised at what cars qualify. I certainly was. Audis, BMWs, Bentleys, Cadillacs, yes, even Ferraris. Jaguars, Range Rovers, Lexus, Lincoln, McLaren, Mercedes, Porsche, And of course, Teslas are all eligible for either a full or partial credit. Here are just two examples. The 2022 Bentley Flying Spur Hybrid costs $210,000 and is eligible for the full $7,500 tax rebate. That means the owners of this car will pay $7,500 less in taxes because they bought this car. The 2022 296 GTB Ferrari is $321,000 and is eligible for a $3,334 tax credit or $3,334 less they would pay in tax. While this is a great tax break to the purchasers of these vehicles, it begs the question, is it fair that people who purchase gas-powered vehicles pay more taxes than those that purchased a Tesla, a McLaren, a Ferrari, a Range Rover, or Bentley hybrid or electric vehicles. That's one example. Here are a few more. 
When you file your taxes, you have the option to select the standard deduction or the itemized deduction. A reminder, this standard or itemized deduction is the base amount of income on which you pay $0 in taxes. You, of course, take whichever deduction is higher. If you have items that add up to more than the standard deduction, then you would take that amount. In 2023, the standard deduction for a single individual is $13,850. And for a married couple, it's just double that, or $27,700. Now, if you were married and had itemized deductions that in total were $35,000, then you would use this as the baseline amount that is taxed at 0% and not the standard deduction of $27,700. But if your itemized deductions only added up to $20,000, then you would take the standard deduction of $27,700 instead. Now, it is with the itemized deductions where questions of tax fairness come into play. One of the major contributing factors when it comes to one's itemized deduction is the ability to deduct the interest paid on one's mortgage. Now, are homeowners more virtuous than renters? If mortgage interest is deductible, but rent isn't, we're requiring renters to pay more taxes and subsidize property owners. Is that fair? On average, homeowners are from the middle and upper income tax brackets. Is it fair that poorer renters provide a benefit for richer owners? Sure, the mortgage interest may incentivize some to purchase a home, although that's debatable. Is it fair for the government to tip the scales in a homeowner's favor versus renters? It's a good question. Another of the major contributing factors with an itemized deduction is the ability to deduct state and local taxes, known as SALT for short. Now, Texas, Florida, and five other states have no personal income tax. California, my home state, has a heavy one, and someone living in Manhattan pays taxes to both New York State and New York City. Deductibility on the federal tax return somewhat evens out the burden and ensures that the states get first crack at taxing income and that the federal government can only tax what's left. This raises a number of questions. Is the deductibility of state and local taxes fair? As with other deductions, the key question is fair to whom? Some people pay more state and local taxes than others, meaning they get greater deductions than others on their federal taxes. As a result, while a person with a given income who lives in a high-tax state pays higher total taxes, he or she pays less federal tax than someone in a low-tax state. Is that fair? Not sure. Further, what all of this means is that by providing more benefits to his residents, these high-tax states, or at least they're spending more money, whether beneficially or not, these states create a deduction for their residents and thus reduce the federal government's total tax take. Is this right? Should the federal government subsidize spending on the part of high-tax states? That is, should residents in low or no-tax states bear part of the expenses of higher-tax states? Now, some of you might be saying, just wait a minute, because right now that deduction is limited to $10,000 per year. That is true, and high-tax states have unsuccessfully tried many workarounds to avoid this fact. 
but this $10,000 cap is set to expire in 2026, where the full deductibility of SALT taxes will be resumed. Additionally, others might argue that states with low income tax have higher property taxes. There are a lot of moving parts to consider when it comes to taxes, but the point here is that there are incentives when it comes to the tax code. Another of the major contributing factors to an itemized deductions are donations to charity. In past episodes, I've discussed combining charitable contributions into a single tax year to ensure you get to itemize them. Not that we donate to charity for the deduction, but if you can contribute the same amount of money and pay less taxes, then why not? While many might agree that donations to charity are acceptable, they may be less approving if they don't agree with the aims of a particular charity or 501c3 corporation, which is how the IRS categorizes them, as they take many forms. Universities and churches are nonprofit corporations, and money given to either is considered a charitable contribution. Should someone pay less in taxes because they chose to give money to their university or their church or other nonprofit organizations? Does that seem fair? As you can see, there really isn't anything simple about these matters. What about the progressive nature of our tax code? Those with higher income not only pay a higher dollar amount in taxes, but a higher percentage as well. On average, higher earners absolutely do pay a higher percentage than those who earn less. Using data from 2018, the top 1% of U.S. taxpayers those that earned more than $540,000 per year earned 21% of all the U.S. income, but paid 40% of all the individual federal income taxes. Now, the top 10%, those that earned $152,000 or more, earned 48% of the income, but paid 71% of federal income taxes collected, whereas the bottom 50%, those who earned or less earned 12% of the income and paid 3% of all the income taxes. Here in the state of California, we have the highest state income tax, which is 13.5%. And just 150,000 taxpayers pay for 50% of the total amount of state income taxes. Is that fair? Well, I'm not sure, but I will say it's dangerous if those taxpayers decide to leave the state. There are so many other examples of quote-unquote fairness or unfairness when it comes to the tax code in the United States. Long-term capital gains being taxed less than ordinary income rates is another example. I think the most would agree that the tax system in the United States is complex, confusing, inefficient, and some would say unfair. The point of this podcast is, is to show that the important thing is to focus on your tax planning and not trying to determine whether the tax code is fair or not, as there really isn't a good answer. Because when you understand the tax code and implement better tax planning strategies, that will lead you to paying taxes better, i.e. when they will be lower. Strategies to consider could take many forms, such as Roth contributions or conversions in low or lower income periods. It could mean deductible retirement contributions during higher income periods or HSA contributions or the many other strategies I highlighted in episode 33. 
Well, thank you again for listening, and I hope you found this helpful. Now on to the tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast. Welcome to today's tips, tricks, and strategies portion of the podcast. There just might be a significant tax savings hiding in your 401k. That's the strategy I'll share about today. If you've ever worked for a publicly traded company, you may have a tax advantage hiding in your 401k. The advantage has to deal with company stock you have in your retirement account. But before we delve into the details, let me provide some background information first. For a traditional 401k account, you didn't pay taxes on the money contributed. Instead, you have opted to pay the taxes later when you take withdrawals during your retirement. When you take those withdrawals, you will be taxed at ordinary income tax rates. However, if you have company stock in your 401k account, the IRS has a provision that allows you to transfer the company stock to a taxable non-retirement account provided certain criteria are met. The reason why one would want to do that is because these investments would then be subject to much lower long-term capital gains tax rates instead. Depending upon your income, that could be as low as 0%, and the subsequent brackets are 15% or 20%, much lower than the ordinary income tax rates that you could see in retirement. The savings could potentially be significant. This type of transfer is called a net unrealized appreciation, or NUA for short. Here are a few things to understand about these NUAs. Net unrealized appreciation refers to the original price you paid for the shares and the current market value of the shares. For example, let's say years ago I worked at ABC Company and I bought 1,000 shares of ABC stock at $10 per share. So $10 per share, 1,000 shares, I've invested $10,000 in total. And let's say they are now worth $50 a share or $50,000 in total. Provided I met the eligibility criteria, I can transfer my ABC company stock to a taxable non-retirement account. However, to be able to do this, I need to pay taxes now on the original price I paid for the shares. Using the same example, I transfer my 1,000 ABC company shares out of my 401k account into a taxable non-retirement account. I would pay ordinary income taxes on the original $10,000 paid for the shares. However, I don't pay taxes on the appreciation. In this example, that's the $40,000 of gain until I sell the stock. And when I do sell it, I will pay long-term capital gains rates, which are likely lower than the ordinary income tax rates I would have paid on these shares in retirement. There is a number of factors to review to determine if you are eligible for unrealized appreciation transfer, or if it even makes sense for you to do so. If you or your spouse or your family or friends have ever worked for a publicly traded company and have a 401k with that company stock, feel free to schedule a meeting with me. Again, I hope you found this helpful. And remember, 
A better life is a result of better planning. Have a great one. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember that no one builds wealth by accident. If you want to learn more about how to build wealth to retire early, head on over to my website at betterplanningbetterlife.com. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. Johnny West is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC.